0: Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we have a
1: fun episode with special guests, you guys. Yeah, we're doing a listener episode all about learning as an adult and kind of what are the new things we're learning and how do we still incorporate learning into our life. I feel like every August, September, I still get the back to school feeling, even though I'm definitely not going back to school. But it feels like it's own New Year's kind of like time to start over, time to do something new. I'm always very inspired by like new stationery and new office supplies. So we thought that we would do an episode about learning.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I just got new stationery.
1: It it really does feel like adult school supplies. It does. But before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by Rent the Runway. It's time to get dressed again, and Rent the Runway is here to help. We'll tell you more about why we love them later in the episode, but want to let you know that you can take 40% off two months of an eight-item plan with code BOP at renttherunway.com. So how are you doing? I just saw you. I just saw you for three nights in a row when I was in New York. Frankly, I maybe saw too much of you. I'm joking. <laughs> it wasn't the you, you of that. It. Yeah, so my high is that you and our friend Jackie were both in New York City last week, and it was so great to see both of you. Jackie is, is one of our other friends we worked with at Bobble Bar. She was our third musketeer. And um, she was a, a bad on paper guest several years ago. Yeah, she was <laughs> for the very early people. Yeah, I think she was our first guest ever. We didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. And we I got to see you twice. I got to see her five nights in a row. You it was, saw me three times. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did see you three times. Yeah, it was great. It was so fun. So yeah. that's my high. What's yours? Mine was being in New
0: York. So I spent three nights in the city I stayed in the Lower East Side at one of my favorite hotels then uh, and I like honestly like I feel like I only saw like 10% of my friends um, but but I really was focused on doing like brand meetings and I did get to see you three times I saw my family I saw Jackie I saw my friend John very briefly it was a work heavy set of three days because I just it's really important to me to keep all of the relationships that I had in New York going strong and you know, so that brands still think of me and want to work together and just to kind of catch up and like hear what's kind of going on in the influencer world, because Charleston's definitely a lot more removed from that. So it was it was intense, but it was good. I got to go to some of my favorite restaurants and see some of my favorite friends. And I mean, what are the chances of having you, me and Jackie all in the same city these days? So that was such a treat.
1: Oh, my gosh, it was so It was such a last minute thing for her. She called me the week before and she – we talked about Gossip Girl for 30 minutes and like what we thought of the current season and then she just dropped in, oh, by the way, I'm going to be in New York next week. So it was such a nice surprise.
0: Truly. And then I went out to Amagansett for two nights with The Daily. So my other best friend, Alex, is the CMO of The Daily and she put together this whole like really fun influencer weekend and she was like, why don't you come? And so I, like, went to this fancy luncheon where I got to borrow $40,000 of diamonds, which what? was so cool. Mm-hmm. Frost was, yourself. <laughs> it was like my Kate Hudson frost yourself moment. It was so cool. And we had a fun barbecue with Lejeants to celebrate their shoes. And I also got, like, a lot of nice downtime. Like, I spent a lot of time reading. I took a yoga class the Sky Ting. I took a bath. Like, it was just very, very nice. Um, I'll tell you, yesterday was a little rough because... Getting out of the Hamptons You take a three hour bus ride To Queens And then you take a taxi To the airport And then fly home So it was like It was a long travel day But it was worth it And is that your low? My low is just that I'm really really tired um, Like it was five nights Of like strong socializing Like be- whether it was like a dinner And like a lot of drinks Or um, like a big group event And I am so tired And i uh, <laughs> I am dumb because on Thursday I'm going to LA for four nights and I'm just like, I want to stay home. I want, I want to go to LA, but I also just want to stay home and like see no people.
1: I mean, woof, same. I am, I am tired. My wallet is tired. My liver is tired. Everything is is tired. tired. I went out five nights in a row, which I definitely have not done in at least two years. Yeah, I feel like my tolerance
0: for alcohol and tolerance for socialization is just not what it once was.
1: Yeah, so it was a it was a sprint, and now I am just ready to be in hibernation, work, quiet time mode. I did get Sunday to relax, which was really nice coming into the new week. I read um, like a book and a half, so it was.
0: Oh, that's it was nice.
1: good. I got some downtime, but yeah. still not recovered.
0: Yeah. I wish I had this weekend to just have downtime. But I told my boyfriend I want to do like really calm things like go for walks and go to art museums and just like chill. Yeah. So, and he got the me- he got the message. So <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a wild and crazy weekend. Yeah. But I just would prefer to be at home. But let's take a quick little ad break before we get into the episode. This episode is sponsored by one of our favorites, Rent the Runway. And we have both been using this service for years, especially during the summer when I have more events and travel plans and I'm wearing more dresses. So it's like not separate. So you can't like mix and match things up. But it is just such a lifesaver. If you're feeling a little nervous about what to wear after a year in sweatpants, Rent the Runway is going to be the secret weapon that you need. With Rent the Runway, you can access thousands of designer pieces from occasion dresses to jewelry and accessories, loungewear from over 700 brands like Tanya Taylor, DVF, Fig, Rebecca Taylor, Veronica Beard, and so many more. And it's all for one low monthly membership price.
1: So in June, I switched over to the eight item plan, which felt like the right amount of pieces for both the price and the amount that I'm getting dressed. So with the eight-item plan, you get four items per shipment and two swaps. And it's perfect because I got a few items to wear throughout the month in my current shipment, and I actually got a handbag. It's the first time I've rented a handbag from them. It's a very cute yellow Mansur Gabriel bag. Wait, I rented that last, the bucket bag? Yes. I rented that a couple months ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's how funny. funny. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to stock up on vacation pieces for a trip that I have at the end of the month. And I love it for vacation dressing because you can get those really fun, over-the-top, bold pieces that do not make sense in your regular closet without committing.
0: Yes. Plus, they take care of all the shipping, the dry cleaning. It just makes it so easy. And I will tell you, shipping is super fast. Back in New York, I'd get things in like one or two days, and it's the same in Charleston. And they have a great new feature where you can pick your next shipment before sending your current items back so that there's no lag time. I really, really like the eight item plan too. I just think it's the perfect way to try new designers without the investment, especially because I wear so many dresses down here. And if you find an item that you love, you can always buy it out right um, for a really steep dis- discount. So it's it's a great little shopping service too, if you ask me.
1: I have a, a green and white polka dot Stein Goya dress that I'm really thinking about keeping. It's become a fave, so we'll see. I love that, that you can buy it for a discount too if you find something that really suits you. So Rent the Runway is changing the way the world gets dressed. If you want in, you can take 40% off two months of an eight-item plan with code BOP at renttherunway.com. Again, that's 40% off two months of an eight-item plan with code BOP at renttherunway.com. With the discount, it makes an eight-item plan just $85 per month.
0: Okay, let's get back to the episode. So today we are talking about learning and hobbies.
1: Yeah, we wanted to talk about being a lifelong learner. So learning not in the context of being in school, which if you are a regular listener, you will know neither Grace nor I are, but you know how we incorporate learning into our life on the
0: reg. Yeah. I think it's just so important to like just in your life be curious and kind of never stop learning. I don't know. I was talking to someone about about dating and I think it's like I remember I was talking to our, our friend Jason and he was just talking about how important he felt like it is to just be curious all the time and always be learning new things and I couldn't agree more. Like I just think it's like such a red flag if somebody is just kind of content to stay the way they are and like never really lo- like open themselves up to learn new
1: things. I always think it's a red flag on a dating app if someone doesn't read. Yeah. Not on not that it's not on their profile, but just if you start talking with somebody and they're like, "Oh, I I haven't read a book since high school or whatever." Not that they need to read as much as I do certainly, but you know, just that somebody isn't curious or interested in reading is kind of a red flag for me. Yeah, I agree. I think there's other ways to learn like I I kind of like
0: would, if they were like into going to museums and things or like into nonfiction podcasts, I think that that's kind mm-hmm. of that that makes up for it. But I, um, yeah, I agree. I will say a lot of men just don't read books, it's so weird to me,
1: yeah. And you know, also, I, I don't need to ask you if you liked school as a kid or a teen because I know we were both um, super nerds. we are both into school, I loved school, like, I love school. Yeah, but it's kind of like then you become an adult and you, you do this thing for the first 22 years of your life. Well, I guess maybe you don't do it for the first few years of your life, but then you do it for, you know, kind of from four to 22. And then, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to go out in the world. And it's like, well, how do you keep learning? Like, I thought about going back to grad school and I ultimately decided against it. But, you know, like I still want to learn things in my life, even if I'm not in school formally. Oh, I totally agree.
0: I I had always thought I'd go back to business school and then my career just totally changed multiple times and it didn't make sense. But
1: yeah, I like I left college and I was kind of adrift. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, I went into consulting and I thought maybe I'd go to law school, maybe I'd go to business school. And I didn't do either. Frankly, I bought the the GMAT test prep book to think about going to business school and I saw that you had to relearn trigonometry and it was like, well, that's going to be a no for me. Ooh, yeah.
0: But... Why do you need trigonometry to take the GMAT? That's so bizarre to me, but okay.
1: I don't know what percentage it is on like a pie chart basis of the test, but it was part of it. And I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. don't think I'm interested in that. And I don't regret not going to grad school whatsoever, but you know, I do... I, I think I naturally... I'm interested in learning new things, but I also try to push myself to learn new things when I have the time because that just like, I don't know, it makes you a more interesting human. It like there's nothing more exciting than being a beginner at something. Like it's frustrating and exciting at the same time. Yeah, I would agree. So we thought we would talk about how we incorporate learning in our lives. And then we also have some great listener voicemails from you all, where you told us about new things that you're learning. um, Because, you know, we figured there's a broader array of experiences than just from us two, who may be learning very specific things that are very different from your interests. Yes. So the first place that I think is the obvious place to start given the topic of this podcast is nonfiction books and podcasts. And you're a big nonfiction reader. I am a documented nonfiction abandoner, like to the point where I even abandoned Becoming by Michelle Obama. But I do read nonfiction. How, I don't know how you abandoned I that. Know, it was
0: so good. I know. I don't. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and get you to read A Promised Land
1: because that's like a it's million, a million pages. pages. I don't know. I that's a great one as an audiobook, I'll say. I can listen to or read nonfiction when it is something that I am personally learning and invested in. But if it, it is about somebody else, I lose interest, which is yeah. a bad quality.
0: But I love memoirs. Like I was going through the nonfiction books I've read recently, and most of them are just memoirs. They're not. Um, like things that are making me smarter. They're just I just enjoy hearing other people's stories. Well, don't
1: say that. They absolutely make you smarter. I feel like I like to read nonfiction that is directly applicable to my own life. And so, yeah, no, I don't. When I when I worked in marketing, like I read a lot of like marketing or management books. Actually, probably more podcasts than books. But yeah, I, I you know I would read those things because they were very applicable to like improving in my own career. Like I loved mm-hmm. um. Radical Candor by Kim Scott on management. Um, and then I, I loved books about entrepreneurship, even though I wasn't necessarily starting my own business, but Rework, which is by the founders of Basecamp, like the app. Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea was a favorite of mine, although now that's colored in a much different light based on kind of some of the craziness that happened around his death. Um, and then have you ever read Let My People Go Surfing? by It's by the founder of Patagonia. No. It's very interesting. I think you might like it because it also is about building in sustainability into brands. Yeah. But yeah, I would always listen to, and I've stopped listening to a lot of those podcasts, but I would also always listen to like the HBR Idea cast or what was the HubSpot podcast, the growth show. And it they rebranded and then they had a different name, but like about startup things. Like I, that's what I can get into is I can get into things that are like directly applicable to me. So, yeah, you know, I, I spent last year, getting super into reading about screenwriting because that was the closest I could get to books about writing a fiction podcast. Um, So I was like devouring those and like, yeah, a book a day, like could get them, could like (laughs) put down a lot of them just because it's like when it is helping me improve at something I'm really interested in it versus yeah, more general one. So, I mean, I feel like I owe a debt of gratitude to the save the cat book which is by Blake Snyder, who um, is deceased. But if I could write him a thank you note, I probably would. Um, <laughs> but it, it's about the structure of how to structure a screenplay. And and also it's, it's highly relevant to a book, too, just like how to structure a story. And I also really loved there was this book I read last year called Your Screenplay Sucks by William Akers. And I kind of like the negative side as much as the positive side where it's like, don't do this, you know? Yeah. No, I think that sometimes don't do this is is even more helpful than do this. I agree. So instead of the instruction manual, it's like almost the anti-instruction manual. And I read so many. Some of them are helpful. Some of them are not. But those are like the two that stuck out to me. And then this year, I've just been reading a ton about writing a novel. And then I've also been reading a lot of author memoirs, which I found really helpful just on like a comparing and also kind of understanding the people's mental state during the creative process, because it's so... It's so mental in addition to the physical of like actually writing, yeah. but I mean, I th- there's a Save the Cat book specifically about writing a book by Jessica Brody, which is wonderful. There's this book I really liked called Story Genius by Lisa Crone, which was really helpful about tying the main character to plot. There was also a book that was like part memoir, part instructional called Monkeys with Typewriters by Scarlett Thomas that I really liked. And then I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I read Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott and I loved it. Like that was very much about how she thinks about writing and like her writing process and like the mental gymnastics around it. And it's like very folksy in a way that I really enjoyed. But yeah, that's the kind of like nonfiction books that I've been reading and I'm less of a nonfiction podcaster, but I am I I feel like if it's nonfiction, it's usually a chat show for me, which I can still learn things from sometimes, but maybe not in the making me smarter way. Yeah. What about you?
0: You're a huge nonfiction reader. I love anything that's going to make me a better person or understand myself a little bit better. So anything Glennon Doyle, especially Untamed. I know people have mixed emotions on that book. I just found it to be like really empowering and helped me to like just be better at knowing myself sticking up for myself setting boundaries stuff like that anything that Brene Brown writes like daring greatly is always a favorite of mine and then a book that like changed my life was quiet by Susan Cain and that's all about the power of introverts because sometimes I feel a little bit ashamed to be an introvert like to need so much quiet and to need so much alone time, but the book really helped me to like feel better about it and also just to understand myself a little bit better. Um, And then I read a lot of books just about things that I'm interested in. So one of my favorite books from this past year or last year, I don't know like what year we're in, like the pandemic, it's all just like, and we're still in the lockdown period was all just like a big blur for me. But you know, I loved Joyful by Ingrid Fatel Lee. Like I like I love design and art and just like beautiful objects and I think that I learned a lot from that book like kind of the science between why things make us happy like why is symmetry so pleasing why do like round objects bring us joy why is you having more curved edges versus all straight lines and angles why does that make us happier so I just found that book to be so interesting. And then another thing I do is I buy a lot of art books and a lot of those are more like coffee table books, but there's always like several pages of, you know, information about the authors and things. And like, if I go to a museum and I see something by an artist and it really resonates with me, then I go home and I Google it and like learn as much as I can about that artist. But then I might go on Amazon, see if they have a book, order the book. And I feel like it just like kind of becomes this whole little rabbit hole for me that I go down and like. I kind of just wish I was an art history major. Like I wouldn't, I'd probably have a totally different life than the one I have now, but I kind of just am always on this like pursuit of learning more about art and art history, which is fun, but that's not just books. It's like Going to a museum, reading the book, Googling something, um, talking to friends who have – because, you know, Natalie, for example, one of our my best friends was an art history major. So she just knows so much. And, like, sometimes I just feel like such an idiot because I don't know any of this stuff. I just know that something's pretty and it makes me happy. Um, so that's, like, a fun thing to learn more about.
1: That's a really interesting thought. Like, if you went back to – if you went to college today, not went back to college, but went co- to college for the first time at 39 – What would you major in art history?
0: Well, I don't know what I could do with it to like make money. So I would probably. Yeah. I I would like to have all the knowledge that I already have and then like go study art history, too.
1: (laughs) So you would want like a postgraduate degree in art history, not your your original degree, like
0: just for fun. And I'm still like blogging and like earning money on the side. Yeah. 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 But like I'm like I'm in school learning art history. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What would you go back for?
1: Not going back. I don't know. I mean, in some ways, I'm like, maybe I should have majored in business in college and and studied marketing at the time. If I were doing it right now, like right this moment where my career is, I'm like, I kind of wish I went to film school at the time. Yeah. Uh, But again, like it it took me so long to get here that like I never would have been in that place at the age of 18, like it it wouldn't, my career path wouldn't have made sense without the things that came before it. I know. Same. So I'm not regretful in any way, but just, yeah, if I were going, if somebody was like, well, you go to school now, I would be like, cool. I'm going go to film school. Yeah. I think mine is more just
0: this passion that I have that I like am excited about, but I don't think it's a, a career path. It's more just like something I love.
1: Yeah. And then you also read a lot of business books though.
0: Oh, I do. I, I do love a business book. I mean, right. I finished The Third Door, which we talked about by Alex Benayan. I love just hearing from successful people about what they did and how they got to where they are and how they built their businesses. It could be like nothing to do with what I do. Like I am not going to try and create the next Microsoft or Apple, but like I love watching documentaries about those guys, reading their stories. So that book really appealed to me because he talked to so many really successful, inspiring people. And then the other book I'm reading right now, which I put down, I've been kind of on a break from it because when I was in New York, I just brought one fiction book with me, but it's um, Obsessed by Emily Hayward. And that's all about brand building. And that was the second leg of my career was I was in brand management for Procter & Gamble and then Cody. So I love like learning about kind of how you take these brands and build something that everyone just loves so much because I think it's fascinating.
1: I, I could be very into that book too. I. I don't see myself having room for it in my nonfiction dance card right now, but I, that does sound really interesting to me. And especially given the amount of times I've like worked with Red Antler in my career or like worked with brands who worked with Red Antler, I, I think I would also be very curious from a firsthand perspective.
0: Yeah, I feel like I pick it up and put it back down and pick it up and put it back down. It's just full of good information and like stuff that I think you can kind of translate to anything, like even... A rom-com or like my blog, for example, just creating something that people love.
1: Yeah. Let's hear from a couple of listeners about what they're learning in the nonfiction book and podcast space.
2: Hi, Grace and Becca. My name is Kate. I live in D.C. I saw your Instagram story about being a lifelong learner and something that I started doing two years ago but reinvested in during the pandemic is every week on Wednesday I write a blog post about a woman in history that people don't know about. Um, It's called Women Wednesday. And so it's pretty much just to highlight, you know, women people haven't heard of and make sure that those stories are being told. So I have so much fun researching um, the women I'm going to cover that week and posting about it and having friends comment on it. So that's something I'm doing. I hope you all are well. Bye-bye. Hi, Becca and Grace. My name is Jess, and I wanted to share about a podcast called Ologies with Allie Ward. It's a science podcast. Before I started listening to it, I didn't really think I was that into science, but Allie is a really good podcast host, and she always has really interesting guests that teach you about different topics in science, and I highly recommend it. Thanks so much. Bye.
1: All right, let's take a break to talk about a new sponsor. So this episode is sponsored by Olive and June. So in addition to being a lifelong learner, I'm also a lifelong nail biter. And the only way that I can kick this habit is if I have perfectly polished nails at all time. And that means at-home manis because the minute I have one chip, I am done for. So I keep having to redo them myself at home. And I have been loving giving myself at-home manis with Olive and June's manicure system because their polish lasts for so long, even with hand-washing dishes, which I feel like is usually the death of most of my manicures, and just generally being rough on my nails, their polish lasts seven-plus days with no chips. Yes,
0: their manicure system is great because it comes with everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure at home, all in one box. And it also comes with their poppy, which is the best thing ever. It's this little handle that goes on top of the brush and it just makes it so easy to paint your nails, even with your non dominant hand, which I love because I am useless with my left hand. And personally, I've been opting for at home manicures a lot more because in New York, there are nail salons everywhere, but in Charleston, it's much harder and you need an appointment. Not only do you need an appointment, you need to make an appointment like a week, at least a week out. But with Olive and June, I can get the same result
1: at home whenever I want. And it's cheaper. If you get their Manny system with six polishes, it breaks down to just $2 a manicure versus what, you'd pay like $35 for a gel manicure at a salon. And the colors they have are so cute. So right now, my fingers are a very classic nude color. And then I have a very fun orange-red on my toes. Getting beautiful salon perfect nails at home is now a
0: dream come true with Olive and June. Your new nail life is here. Visit oliveandjune.com BOP and use code BOP for 20% off your first manicure system. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That's O-L-I-V-E-N. A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash B-O-P with code B-O-P for 20% off your first manicure system. OliveandJune.com slash B-O-P code B-O-P. All right, let's get back to the episode. All right, so let's talk a little bit about classes. I think that you and I are both huge Masterclass fans.
1: Are you still a fan? Huge fan. Yeah. Mine um, mine just renewed. and I, I Mine just renewed too. I think we joined at the same time. I think so. And admittedly, I have not used it as much as I would like. I was talking to our, our friend Hitha Palapu, and she was saying that she listens to master classes without the video while oh, she does chores. And I, I've never done that. But she does it like every day, and she's gone through so many of them. And I'm like, gosh, I really want to do that because there's so many – that i i think sound so interesting that have literally are not applicable to my life at all i know but i just i just want to hear f-
0: from them you yeah, know i agree i think i'm going to start doing that cuz i have been traveling so much and i've also been admittedly admittedly watching too much TV because we have so much good TV right now. <laughs> and so I've fallen off the wagon, but like there's I'm I'm constantly like, oh I really need to listen to that one. Oh, I want to listen to that thing. Like even things that again to your point have no relevance to what I do, but just sound really
1: interesting. Like there's a Thomas Keller one about cooking. And even if I watched that one and was the most, you know, attentive to it, I feel like there's no way that I would actually go make any of the recipes or things he was making. But I would just be very interested to hear about his experiences and what he says about things. And maybe I'd pick up like a few little tips or tricks along the way. But Like, I don't think I need to be actually watching. Actually, I think you do. Because oh. some of his
0: classes are like, so I watched the knife skills one. I think it was the Thomas Keller one. And I learned a lot from that. I'm still terrible with knives, but working on my skills. It's helpful to,
1: to watch the visuals there. OK, so apparently that's a horrible example. But, but I think there's other ones. Like, I am really interested in hearing RuPaul's class on self-expression and confidence, which I feel like is something that I probably don't need to see the visuals with.
0: Yes. I'm going to tell you, Robin Roberts' effective communication
1: class, you can totally skip the visual. Did you, okay, did you watch that one? No, but I've heard you talk about that, and I've been very interested by it. The only ones I've taken, I've mostly taken, I've taken four-ish in screenwriting, there's a couple more I've started and put down, which I won't mention. But I I did, I mean, the first one I did is Shonda Rhimes, which I feel like I talk about on this podcast every other episode because I loved it so much. I'm just obsessed with Shonda Rhimes in general and I'm so inspired by her career and also such a fan of the things she's created that I'm just in awe. So um, I loved Shonda Rhimes's. It was so, it was also right time, right place for me. Like it was very helpful when I was starting to write rom-com pods. And then I also really enjoyed Issa Rae's class, which was about filmmaking and writing, but it was about doing it in kind of a more creative or an outsider way than kind of the more traditional um, insider-y way that Shonda Rhimes kind of took that path. Um, and then I also really enjoyed Aaron Sorkin's and, and I listened to some of Judd Apatow's too. I skipped some of Judd Apatow's about stand-up comedy because that's, it is something I'm interested in, but it like it isn't relevant to me, um, but he had his course was kind of more broad. It was also on like directing and in and like comedic joke setup and things like that, which I found really interesting. Have you listened to Margaret Atwood's
0: episode yet? I mean, I haven't. I haven't it?
1: done any of the writing ones. I'm also very interested in there's like a James Patterson one, which, you know, I've read a few James Patterson books, but I'm like, he's so prolific that I'm just kind of interested to hear what he has to say.
0: I'd really like to listen to that one. And the Margaret Atwood one is really appealing to me as well. My favorites were so different from what you use it for. I loved Kelly Worsler's interior design class. I loved Bobby Brown's makeup class. I learned a lot about makeup oh, from that one.
1: I could actually be incredibly interested in taking Bobby Brown's makeup class. You learn a lot. Does I, she do makeup on people? Yes. Yeah, it's like actually like watching YouTube. Oh,
0: that sounds great. Anna Winter has a creativity and leadership course, which is great. That's a good one to listen to with a sound. Okay. Um, Sarah Blakely has one on finding your
1: purpose. There's
0: so many good ones.
1: Oh, I'm obsessed with Sarah Blakely. The topic of that doesn't really appeal to me, but I feel like I would just listen to her talk about anything because I'm. she's the founder of Spanx and is like, like a self-made female billionaire. And I'm just – I'm so interested in her and her story.
0: Yeah, and I feel like she would give examples from her life and things which would make it really interesting.
1: Yeah, I have a list a mile long of master classes that I want to take. I, It's like – I don't know. I feel like it's what, like – Eighty dollars a year, like it's not that expensive. No,
0: it's not. It's it's the best. I um oh the class I always tell everyone to take is the Robin Roberts one because I just feel like it's it would help anyone in
1: any, any industry. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Let's hear from some listeners who are taking classes maybe outside of MasterClass.
3: Hi, Becca and Grace. The learning that I undertook during the past few months during the pandemic was yoga teacher training. I've been really interested in it for a long time but work commitments and life got in the way. During the pandemic I was able to do an online teacher training course based in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm in Scotland. So it was a really unique opportunity to train with an amazingly qualified set of teachers and faculty and it was a wonderful experience over 4 months and I've made lifelong friends in the process and I'm also now a certified yoga teacher. So It was a great way to get through the months of winter and another lockdown here in Scotland. And I've come out of it with a new qualification, new friends, new skills, and just a sense of achieving something during a year that was otherwise pretty stalled.
1: All right. Let's talk about hobbies, which I feel like is the other area in which I incorporate learning into my life. And I saw you posting on Instagram a few weeks ago about something you heard on a Glennon Doyle podcast. And I thought that this was really thought provoking. So this was
0: less about hobbies, but more about fun and like what you do for fun. And I was like, nothing because everything that she counted as that sh- she's like, self-care can't be fun. Drinking can't be fun. <laughs> eating can't be fun. I was like, these are what I do. I like, cause it's not just about the self-care or the eating or the drinking. It's usually with a friend and we're talking and we're like, catching up. All I could settle on that didn't, that fell outside of that was like going to the beach and like playing in the waves or like going for walks and hikes. Cause I'm not Does reading count? I guess it counts. But for, for us, like we read so much for work too, that like, if it affects your job, it's not supposed to be fun.
1: I feel like that, but I feel like I very distinctly read for pleasure sometimes. Like sometimes I am outlining a book for the podcast yeah. or I'm screening a book for the podcast but sometimes like you know when I crack an Alan Hildebrand I'm like I'm just reading for pleasure right now yeah you're right when I crack a, a murder <laughs> I'm
0: just yeah yeah so I think reading can count for, as fun but I was just like shit like I don't do much for fun like I like going to art museums that can count um but I really I don't have as many hobbies as you do like I love to read I love as we talked about like going to art museums and galleries and like then going home and doing my little Google and like learning about them. Um I love interior design. I'm not good at it. I you can listen to our interior design episode. Um but I like learning about it and I really love like looking at furniture and just like I don't think that that counts as a hobby though. Like looking at furniture and like learning about furniture designers. <laughs> Something that is actually a hobby and like passion of mine, but really translates a lot to work is skincare and like learning about beauty products and why ingredients work. Like why is hyaluronic acid so effective? Like why do you need retinol to help with anti-aging? Just understanding ingredients and what they do has become like a very big passion of mine, but it's also something that affects my job.
1: So I was like, does that count? Yeah, I think so. I I think I maybe have looser... Criteria than Glennon Doyle does yeah. But I think all of those things that you just mentioned Count I mean I don't know how much time you spend Researching furniture Not a, Well lately like, it's been a lot but Sure because yeah. you just moved But like it's not like Hey it's it's Saturday I have some time to fill I'm going to spend four hours researching furniture When you haven't just moved Oh, Since you said Saturday one of my favorite things to do Is to
0: go to the farmer's market And just buy like random produce And then get home and be like what am I going
1: to make with all this Oh, I absolutely think that cooking and I mean, I guess it's self care. I, I, I think I have a different view than Glenn and Doyle, but I think that can also absolutely be fun and also a hobby. Like our friend Jackie, her husband is a very dedicated home chef. And, you know, when he makes dinner, he is going above and beyond in a way that is not just feeding yourself, you know? Yes. It's like, like he's an art. Yeah, he's like researching recipes and techniques and like ingredients and things and tracking them down. And like it's much more involved than if you were like. I need to eat something tonight.
0: Yes. My last thing on my list was movies and something kind of fun that my boyfriend got me into is the AFI 100 list. It's like it's the American Film Institute. It's a list of kind of like the 100 most important movies. And it changes every year. But he's like dead set on watching every movie on that list. And I'll tell you, I'm not going to watch them all because some of them I just find boring. But um, there's a lot of good classic films on there. And it's fun to kind of make our way through the list. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. It's like a fun challenge. But again, I know yeah. that I'm not going to meet the challenge because there's like West old westerns and things. And I'm like, I have no desire to watch that. Totally. Totally. Yeah.
1: I'm a self-declared slut for Hobbies. You I feel are. Like, like you have so many. Oh, I love a hobby. Although I will say that I have one at a time usually. Yeah. So although I've had a lot of hobbies in the past, I don't actively do a lot of these things. So you're not slutty. You're pretty monogamous when, when you're doing it. You just, you date around a lot. I date around a lot. I date around a lot. And I feel like it's my go-to whenever I'm feeling adrift professionally is I'll pick up a new hobby. So I probably should pay more attention And maybe it's concerning that I'm thinking about picking up a new hobby right now. Maybe I should evaluate my life because I'm very much thinking about getting back into sewing. But um, I love having a creative hobby. And I I think at first it started for me because I was working in a very non-creative job when I worked in consulting and I wanted a creative outlet. But I, I love having a hobby. And it's like, it's I love the, like you said, like the researching part of it, like, which is a lot of, in my case, watching YouTube videos or things like that. I love the shopping for a hobby, too. Like, that brings me so much joy in addition to the doing of the hobby. Like, oh, yeah. Like buying the sewing machine and all the colored embroidery floss and yarns. (laughs) So let me go through. I'll go through my list of hobbies that I've had in my adult life that I've like picked up very seriously. So the first one was sewing which I was very into for a while when I lived in Boston. I also got very into fashion illustration. I like I wanted to be on Project Runway. I don't know what I wanted, but like I thought that I could like combine that and sewing. And I'm not sure where I was going with it. But I was really into that for a while. Um, I got into photography for a while and I had like the DSLR camera and I got into I took a, a class. This is when I first moved to San Francisco. Um, I got very into photography. I picked up knitting. Knitting was when I was thinking about leaving Lola. Um, you're forgetting like another year. San Francisco hobby you had.
0: What? Blogging.
1: Oh, that was Boston. Yeah. Blogging. I oh, definitely that was Boston, had a, not San Francisco. I th- uh, it was both. It would like crossed over a little bit, but yeah, bo- blogging was a hobby for a moment. I had a, a fashion blog that thankfully no longer exists um, because it's embarrassing. I-, I wish I could scrub all my old outfits from like the early
0: days of blogging off. They're all out there still, <laughs> but you're kind of um, lucky you
1: got rid of that. But it is fun to go back and look at like the crazy shit we wore and thought was cool. Totally. I guess podcasting started as a hobby. Like I didn't start it thinking that it was going to make any money. I just thought it would be a fun thing to do with a friend. And the same for rom-com pods. Like I just started it as a hobby or interest like I didn't necessarily know that it was gonna take I don't think over that's true you you weren't like I'm gonna spend all this money on this thing yeah but I certainly didn't I didn't say when I started it that I was going to quit my job and spend 100% of my time on it which is my goal now with it that's true that's like that's not true. necessarily where I thought it was going yeah um, I'm very actively thinking about starting sewing again it's like it's kind of only a matter of time like I think by fall I will I'm following a lot of sewing instagrams now and it's just it's really just nudging me inch by inch closer to the edge I love that for you of buying a new sewing machine okay but like I love having a hobby I love like not in Brooklyn but when I lived in the city like on a Saturday like I would go to like a bunch of knitting stores and like you know see what kinds of yarn they had and like google patterns and like figure out what i was gonna make and you know like i i love the process around it and also like learning techniques or things like i feel like youtube videos like when i first started sewing part of the reason i'm interested in sewing going back to sewing as a hobby is because the first time like i don't feel like there was many resources about it so i just kind of like bought patterns and like did it i took a class um in boston to learn how to sew so i did do that but then like in terms of troubleshooting. But now I'm like, there's so many YouTube videos. Like I could learn so much more, better, faster than I did before yeah. where it was just like trial and error. I don't know. I love having a a crafty hobby.
0: I used to have crafty hobbies when I was younger. Like I did all those like DIYs for my yeah, blog. Yeah, you used to make like, a lot of jewelry. jewelry. Yeah. I think now what I'm slutty about is like things I'm interested in. Like remember when I went on that yoga retreat to Cuba mm-hmm. and then I watched like, Every documentary about Cuba Got like really into like Learning about Cuban food Like just went down Like a whole rabbit hole Like I feel like I just like Go somewhere Or learn about a thing And I'm like Well I need to know Or orange wine last summer Like when I was buying Every orange wine And tasting them all And just like I read a whole Like one full nonfiction book Like 300 pages All about orange wines
1: Wow (laughs) Yeah That's cool
0: Yeah I like learning about Like a new interest And then I like Abandon it and get a new one Like I'm not really into orange wines anymore I'm glad you're not into orange wines Because I
1: I never liked orange wine
0: I like that one The Enderl and Mole one That Mm. one's good It's like rosé with a kick Should we hear from some listeners About some of their hobbies? Yes
2: Hi Grace and Becca I just wanted to say that For me as Millennial as it may be Having plants Has been such a way for me to learn about things I would otherwise not have thought about, um, especially as far as light and care goes. And it's also been a really great way for me to kind of connect with who my grandmother was. Um, I have like over 30 plants in my place, and I just love the really calming ritual of Getting to know what their water schedule is, which room they like best thrive in with light. So yeah, I definitely recommend getting to learn about plants if you're looking for a soothing hobby. And you know, it's really fun going to plant houses and seeing all the different plants there are out there. Anyways, thanks for all that y'all do and yay learning.
4: Hi, this is regarding the call-out on lifelong learning. I personally learned how to needle craft. So I learned how to cross-stitch in a class that occurred right
2: before the pandemic. My mom sent me embroidery books so I could pick up on that during
4: the pandemic. And then I took an in-person class, master course, to learn a punch needle. So it's been really exciting to learn a craft that I can also share with my mom, and I could learn in a variety of ways. And it's been it's been really enriching. Take care, ladies.
2: Hi, Grace and Becca, long time listener and excited to share this with you. I am also a lifelong learner. I've been uh, working on revisiting the piano. Um, I recently bought a new keyboard and i am picking it back up after um, about 20 years of being away from it. So I'm um, very excited to revisit my lifelong l- love of music and uh, excited to move it forward.
4: Thanks, guys. Hi, Grace and Becca. The past few months, I've gotten really into macrame. My entire childhood, I was back at a summer camp, who was really good at friendship bracelets. I even still make a few every summer. And I recently started trying macrame and realized it's just friendship bracelets with really big cord. It's been super fun to try new projects. I now follow so many cool Instagram accounts and just connect to people who are also doing the craft. Thanks. Hi, Becca. Hi, Grace. Thanks for the podcast. Love it. Listening and to the book recs. So this year, my husband and I um, took up tennis. I don't know if it was quarantine or a midlife crisis or some combination of the two but we went and we got the outfits and the rackets and the shoes tennis clothes are very cute by the way and we go with about eight other 40 somethings twice a week and we learn to play tennis I was super nervous at first but then as we've done it each week, we've gotten just a little bit better, and everybody is really encouraging, and also it's so much fun just laughing with other people and being out. And then the best part is that our daughters also enrolled in tennis camp this year, so today on vacation, we actually all four of us played tennis or something that resembled tennis together. So it was great being outside, being with them, and just doing something new in uh, my 42nd year of life. So great idea for a question. Um, Thanks for the podcast. Keep it up.
1: All right, Grace, let's take one last ad break. So as life gets back to normal, we have seen so many people we know contemplating big changes in their lives, experiencing newfound social anxiety, or just struggling with how we're supposed to go back to normal or even normal-ish. So you've been hearing us talk about BetterHelp for the past few months, and maybe you're wondering, is BetterHelp right for me? So first of all, we think BetterHelp is an awesome service for pretty much anyone, but specifically, if you're looking to pinpoint or address anything that interferes with your happiness or prevents you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who may be able to help. Yes, they make it really, really easy too. So here's how it works. You'll fill
0: out a simple online questionnaire that's going to assess your needs. Then they're going to ask you about your age, your relationship status, your past experience with therapy, and what you're looking to address. From there, they will match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 24 hours. And then you'll choose how you want to interact with them. So you can message them anytime, no scheduling needed, or you can have phone or video sessions, whatever option works best for you.
1: The other thing that we really love is that it's not one size fits all and that they have counselors who are specialized in literally everything from stress, anxiety, relationships, parenting, addictions, eating, sleeping, trauma, family conflict, LGBT matter, self-esteem. And that's just a, a sampling of the list. All told, they have over 20,000 licensed professional therapists. What's great is that they're committed to facilitating great matches. So, if your first therapist isn't a fit, they make it free and easy to switch if you need to. And everything you share is, of course, always confidential.
0: Best of all, it's more affordable than traditional online counseling, and financial aid is available. So, we want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash bad on paper. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bad on paper. Back to the episode. All right, Grace, shall we get into some end
1: matter? Yeah, let's do it.
0: Do you have an Instagram obsession this week?
1: I have an Instagram obsession that I am so obsessed with. So have you've been watching any of the Olympics? No, me either. But I have seen that Tom Daly, who is a diver on the British team. There's all of these like photos of him knitting in the stands or like while he's waiting on the sidelines.
0: And oh my God, this
1: is so up your alley. So up my alley. And so, you know, it's like all these photos of him knitting. And, I, and you know, like I think on movie sets, at least his Not necessarily anymore because everyone has their phone. But like historically, I want to say that like Julia Roberts like knits on set or something. So it's like a kind of common hobby for people who have like a lot of time to kill sitting like, you know, the hurry up and wait of it, which Mm -hmm. is true of the Olympics or, you know, making a movie or something. And so I saw these photos and the Internet was like, oh, this is so cute. And in one of them, he was knitting this sweater that had all this pattern work in it where it's it was basically like the Olympic rings and it said like Great Britain or whatever. And I was like, oh, he's not just like knitting a fucking scarf like he's like legit knitting. And so he has a knit which is like a knitting Instagram that shows all the things he made. And it's um it's called Made with Love by Tom Daly. And he's an incredible knitter and crocheter. like he makes clothing. He makes like it's it's very stylish. Like it's not just like he's a hobby knitter that's doing it for like stress or anxiety like he's legit that's so funny i'm
0: so deeply into it i really like the rainbow chevron sweater that looks he appears to have crocheted it's amazing yes
1: yeah also i mean he's super hot so he's like like modeling all of his uh sweaters with his like nine pack abs eight pack i guess they only come in even numbers Um, amazing but yeah
0: what's yours so this is a first, or maybe not, but I'm really obsessed with dogs. This is a dog that I spent the weekend with.
1: I'm secondhand obsessed with that dog. So, this is Serena goes dog. And Serena is a great follow
0: on Instagram, too. Um, she's a, fr- a blogger friend of mine that I've known forever. But this is not about Serena, this is about her dog. You guys, this is Kleekai Luna. It's K L E E K A I underscore Luna. This dog. I've never like found a dog that I'm like, I could have this dog and it could be my dog. This dog is like a cat. It will sit with you. It smells nice. It's beautiful. It snuggles with you. Smelling nice is important. It's really chill. Like she'll just like, I was, I borrowed her for the afternoon. I like sat in the hammock with my book and she just sat in the hammock with me. Then she like laid on a blanket under, under the hammock. This dog is like a friendly cat. It's the best dog I've ever, ever met. Like there are a lot of dogs like that. No, this dog is like a special, special dog.
1: Okay. It, it's a beautiful think, special, but in terms of personality, I feel like there's many dogs like that. It also looks like a miniature wolf. Yeah.
0: Like it's a wonderful dog. And now I want a clique eye.
1: Very cute. Yeah. What about on
0: obs- regular obsessions? So I have been drinking Whole Foods mineral waters in bulk. And they come in such good flavors. They have a strawberry one, which is so nice. What's the difference between mineral water and seltzer? I think it's pretty much the same thing, but it comes in a big glass bottle that you pour into your glass versus a can. Okay. But taste-wise, you can't tell the difference. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. The flavors are incredible, though. They have this elderflower one Which has a couple other ingredients. I forget what. They have a passion fruit one. The strawberry is my favorite. Just simple strawberry. But the strawberry flavor is so
1: perfect. I
0: love it. It's delightful. I wish
1: we would have had this conversation this morning before I went to Whole Foods and didn't buy this. It's also funny because Whole Foods limits how many you can get of
0: each flavor. Like when I order it online, I can only get two of each flavor. Like I was like, I want like
1: eight bottles of strawberry. And they were like, you can have two. To be honest, that sold me even more that they're rationing it, that it's that popular. Yeah, it's that popular. It's really good. What is your obsession this week? So I I've actually used a habit tracking app for a really, really long time, but I just switched the specific app that I'm using because um, my old one I downloaded so long ago and um, it's like not being serviced anymore. Like there are no updates. Like it just is what it is. I wanted to do something that it was a functionality that it didn't have. So I had to find a new one and I, I downloaded this app called Habit app and it's the logo is just like a a pink uh, like box with a checkbox in it. And I love it. So I, I downloaded a new habit app because there were two things that I wanted to do. So I, I've always tracked exercise with a habit tracking app, but then I wanted to track working on my book. And then the thing that I wanted to do that it couldn't is I, I really want to eat better. I've been so busy lately and I feel like, my diet is the first thing to go when that happens. And so, you know, I feel like this is this sounds so cheesy, but um, so many people say that they try to eat like 80, 20. So, you know, if you eat 21 meals in a week, so that's three meals a day, seven days a week. So you eat 21 meals a day. It's like, OK, if 80 percent of those are healthy, that would mean you eat 17 healthy meals out of 21. I was like, that feels unrealistic. I'm going to start with 15. So, but I wanted to track how many healthy meals I eat per week versus non-healthy ones to just hold myself more accountable. Cause I also think that with eating, it tends to be something that in retrospect, you always overestimate how good a job you're doing. You're like, yeah, I always eat healthy. I've been tracking this for like three weeks. I have not hit 15 healthy meals in at all Oh, at all. So, um, you know, but I think it's interesting to track and I, I wanted to To be able to like look at that because I think, you know, there's that like business saying of like what gets measured gets improved. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. But yeah, I downloaded this this app and I really like it. And it has way more functionality than the janky app that I was using before. And it's free. Um, Yeah. But I really like it. Cool. What about reading? I've been doing a lot of reading. So I finished While We Were Dating by Jasmine Guillory. And I'm disappointed to tell you that I ended up pretty meh on it wasn't bad um but it just it it didn't do much for me. So then the other thing that I'm doing as part of my part of what I'm doing extracurricularly as I write my own book is I've I've been rereading a lot of books. Not that they have anything in common with mine necessarily, but just books that were so good and so memorable to me and trying to figure out what about them is so good. So in terms of like I've been outlining them to understand like plot structure, you know, like paying attention to like sentence level writing, like things that I wouldn't normally do if I was just reading a book for pleasure. Over the past two weeks, since we recorded the last episode, I reread The Idea of You. It is, it's probably the fourth time I've read it. Still good. Still good. Not even good, great. And then I also read Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. And so I just, I I reordered a bunch of books that I love because if I love a book, odds are I've given it away. Um, and I'm kind of just making my way through a bunch of my like greatest hits books to figure out if I can discover anything about what makes them so great.
0: Oh, I like that. I like that for you. I hate rereading re- books, but I like that a lot for you. I think that's a really smart
1: idea as you start your own book. Yeah, because you just pay attention in a different way when you're writing a book versus if yes. I just sat down and I was reading yeah. as much you know, my hobby, my fun reading. And then last night I started imposter syndrome by Kathy Wang, which is one of the books that you read in July while we were off air. It was the Silicon Valley and spies one, which obviously I was very sold on that description. And I'm about, um, probably 70 pages in and I'm, I don't quite know where it's going yet. So I'm, I'm very invested to see what happens. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. What about you? What have you
0: been reading? I'm only reading one book. It's The
1: Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab, which have you read this? I've not. I, um, I've i heard mixed things, so I hadn't picked it up. But what do you what do you think? So I am probably 60% through. It's very long. Like, it's
0: very long. People have just been like, if you love The Midnight Library, you have to read this book. And it was one of the book of the month, like, semi-finalists for a book of the year. I am enjoying it, but it is long. And it's kind of like a modern fairy tale almost. Like this woman, when she's like 23 years old, makes a deal with the devil that she will have freedom. Like complete freedom. She's, you know, she's young and doesn't know what she's doing. And to live forever, but no one will ever remember her. Ever. So like, you know, within 24 hours, anyone she meets forgets her. Like if she like sleeps with a guy the next morning, she wakes up, they wake up and he's like, what? Who are you? I usually don't get this drunk. How are you here? You know, like she can't have a job or rent an apartment because they won't remember her. So it's a really interesting premise. And it follows her all the way from the 18th century through modern day life in New York. And then she meets I will this is not this isn't a spoiler. I won't say anymore. She meets a guy who does remember her. And then it's like, what happens from there?
1: Oh, that's interesting. I like that premise a lot. I would say that based on that description of skills, I feel like, you know, she would be uh well suited to a life of crime. Yeah. Which it doesn't necessarily sound like that's where the book goes, but I would be interested in that book too. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's good.
0: Um it's just very long and like the writing style isn't really for me. Um, but I it, it feels like a, a fairy tale in a way, like a modern day fairy tale.
1: Wait, I need an update just because I was listening to last week's episode. This morning before we recorded, oh, yeah. did you finish the show, girl? How did you net out on that? Oh, one? I did finish it. I would
0: give it. I liked it. I didn't love it. I would give it like a B plus. I would
1: say definitely read it, but it's not like a must. I'm not going to do it then because historical f- fiction yeah. isn't my genre. But there are very select eras of historical fiction, and like New York, like mm-hmm. um, what is it? in the the 20s or 30s mm-hmm. like new york is, is 20s like prohibition era glamour yeah that is one of the eras that i'm interested in so i, I was just wondering if it was good because if it was i was going to pick it up but if it's not a, a hell yes then i'll, I'll it wasn't like a city of girls okay yeah okay yeah well if none of those books wet your whistle uh we are reading Uh, Ace of Spades by Farida Abike Amide this month for our Bad on Paper podcast book club. And I am so excited for you all to read this because it is it's the best YA book I've read this year and even longer than that, like for a while. Like it's a thriller, which, you know, isn't usually my genre. It's uh, definitely there's definitely some rich teens in it. Um, It's set at a very elite private school. And it is so good. I don't want to tell you too much. People described it
0: as Gossip Girl meets Get Out, which I think is perfect.
1: Yes. So if that appeals to you, please pick it up. It's so good. I read it in one sitting. I just was like, turn the page, turn the page, turn the page. Need to know what Mm -hmm. happened. Um, So it's very gripping. And I think if you're going on a vacation and you need like, you want that pool book, like this would be amazing. Yes. Yes. So that's what we've got for you. And in the meantime, if you would like more of us, we are on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. We also have a Facebook group where people are always discussing books and things related to the podcast. So just search batonpaper on Facebook. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood and my blog is thestripe.com. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I will see you, we will see you next week. Yes, bye guys. Bye i mm-hmm.